this morning I'm going to dive into 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 10. I'm going to be talking about what it is to be in fellowship with Christ and honestly evaluating your relationship with him and what you need to do to be in fellowship with Christ. So please pray with me. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for this day, this beautiful day outside and all you do and provide, Lord. We thank you so much for opportunity to come together this morning to worship you and to learn, Lord. Uh, just ask that you, you be with me as I speak, Lord, that these words be your own and that they touch the, the lives and the hearts that you desire and in the way you desire, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 18 years old. Like many new believers, I was excited and I could feel the changes that the Holy Spirit had done in my life, was doing in my life. I read the Bible and I went to church, but that was all short-lived. The reality was that I did not know what to do with my new faith. I didn't know how to be a Christian. It was not that there was not anyone who would be willing to teach me. I just didn't let anybody. Within a year, I'd slipped back into the world and I was not walking with Christ. I was not in the light and I continued to live this way for many years. I built my identity around my job and all kinds of stuff that I thought was important. On this dark path of mine were the relationships with women and I was not God honoring them or honoring in God in the way I handled those. I'd let money that I loaned my brother and my parents drive a wedge between us and I'd mistreated many other people. I'd let my job become my identity. And I took great pride in that, in that job. And it had become the priority of my life. Also took great pride in my house and all my other stuff. I had to have the newest, shiniest pickup, a boat, and lots of other toys. I'm not saying that these things are bad, because they're not. It was the idolization of them and the pride and trying to make them part of my identity, along with all the ways of the world that I was living. That was what was bad. In 2010, my life came crashing down around me. So what did it look like for my life when it came crashing down? Like, there was not one specific moment. It was a slow, painful, and dark process. The lumber yard that I was managing at the time was forced to close because of the housing crisis. I lost an investment house, several other commercial properties, and most of my relationships were a mess. It wasn't until, it wasn't until I got to such a low point in my life that I realized that I couldn't go on living this way. It was now 2014, and I had come to this total feeling of despair. I was totally defeated. It was a moment that I'll never forget. I realized that the ways of the world, and combined with the darkness of sin, that it was destroying me. And I knew I had to make a change. Even though I had accepted Christ as a young adult, I had not surrendered my life to him. I knew I had to do just that. I had to repent and surrender my life to Christ and get into fellowship with him because I needed to be in the light. 
Sin does that to us. It creates a darkness within us that separates from having a relationship with Christ that he desires to have with us. When we are in sin, we are not in fellowship with Christ and we are separated from him. The Apostle John was clearly in fellowship with Jesus, both while he was alive and after his death through the Holy Spirit. John tackles the question of what fellowship looks like head on in his first epistle. John wrote this letter to combat the false teachings that had come into the church at that time. They were actively trying to convert the members of the Jahani churches away from the teaching and away from, away from the truth. These false teachers were teaching what is called Gnosticism. And I'm sure you've all heard of that. But as a short recap, Gnosticism is a religion based on multiple philosophies and myths of the time. There were different forms of Gnosticism, but they all agreed on these central points. First, there was a single divine Godhead, which was good. The Godhead created lesser beings. And a fault occurred in the divine spiritual realm, resulting in the creation of matter, which was bad. Just remember that matter is bad. While some of the spiritual matter of this kind was good, it was planted into the souls of the human beings. A redeemer, who is Christ and also was a lesser being, reveals the way for the good souls to come out of the world back into the spiritual realm. One had to obtain a special knowledge in order to find their way back into the special realm. But they had to do that on their own. The resulting teaching was that you cannot have a relationship with Christ. You are on your own. We, being matter, which is evil, cannot have a relationship with God or Christ, who is good. This false teaching directly contradicted the teachings of Christ and his message of obtaining eternal salvation through the relationship with him. We can't have that relationship with Christ. From the very beginning of the Bible, light and darkness are used as an illustration. Light represents the goodness of God, life, and Christ, whereas darkness is used to illustrate sin and death. The Lexham Bible Dictionary states that light and darkness represent an ethical duality of good and evil. Light is good, darkness is bad. Genesis 1, 1 through 4 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. In this passage, we read that God created light, and it is good, and it sustains life. Light from the sun gives us warmth. Life, light, is required for life. Darkness brings cold and is void of life. It's a simple type of metaphor that John uses to help us understand his message. He's very clear in the way he speaks. Light and darkness, good and bad, holy and sinful. A solar eclipse is an easy way to see how sin can take over your life. A solar eclipse is when the moon blocks out the sun. So if I'll remember, back in August of 2017, the solar eclipse that occurred, 
Much of Nebraska got to witness the moon totally blocked out by the sun. Excuse me, the other way around. The sun totally blocked out by the moon. So remember what it was like? I didn't get to witness the total eclipse. I wasn't living here. So I didn't get to witness that. But what I understand is that when the moon is totally blocking out the sun, strange things begin to happen. Flowers that open during the daylight suddenly close. Insects that begin to make noise at night, such as cicadas and crickets, start to chirp. Certain birds begin to nest, and other animals bed down, while others act up. One thing that most people notice is how it cools off. The darkness brings cold. Sin, like the eclipse, starts out small. It's only blocking a small portion of the light that provides life at first. As the darkness grows, the light giving life diminishes little by little until the darkness has taken over. As human beings, our sin blocks the life giving light of Christ. Because Christ is the light, it will never go out. But when we have sin in our lives, that sin blocks that light. Thankfully, Christ is always trying to draw us near to him so we can have a relationship with him. The relationship that we all need and the relationship that God was willing to let his son suffer and die for. So I invite you to follow along as I read 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another as the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us of all sin. He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Jump back up to verse 6 and 7, and it says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie, and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, has purified us from all sin. The text tells us that our fellowship with Christ comes from living in the light. We're not in fellowship with Christ if we're in that darkness. The word walk in this passage tells us that our relationship is active. Fellowship with Christ is active. It is something that happens between you and him. So the question comes to mind, what is fellowship and what are the benefits? Fellowship is the sharing of privileges and intimate experiences with each other. We share our lives with Christ. We're in fellowship with him. And Jesus best explains this himself in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me who are all weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for... I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Darkness acts as a roadblock and stops us from moving forward with Christ. We are lying to ourselves if we think we are Christian 
in Christian fellowship with other Christians and with Christ if we keep carrying around the weight and the burden of those sins. This can be read again in the Gospel of John 3, 19 and 21. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and who will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Last week, Pastor Luke gave a similar example to the one I'm going to give. It was one where he had said how hard it would be for a blinded person to make it out of the sanctuary without falling on their face. This reminded me of a time when Trisha and I, my wife, we were leading a youth group back in Delta, Colorado. That time we had lined up a whole bunch of chairs in the sanctuary and put blindfolds on the kids and asked them to try to wander through, through the maze to find out if they could, they could make it, to see what it would be like without Christ in their lives. Well, nobody did. They tripped and they stumbled. They bumped into the chairs and several of them fell down. None of them made it through that maze. Then took them to a different maze. They're still blindfolded. But this time we put somebody next to them that they knew and they trusted and that this person cared and loved for them. All the kids made it that time. They bumped, though. They fell down, and they still tripped. But they made it through there because somebody that they trusted and loved and that somebody loved and trusted them helped them through that time, through that maze. Being in fellowship with Christ allows for the same thing. It gives us someone to walk through life when times get tough and when things are hard. But when we're in fellowship with Christ, we get true peace. You'll have peace with God. You'll have peace within yourself. And you'll have the capacity to live in peace with others. Fellowship creates a wholeness within you. And everything will seem to start to fit together. We won't be without problems in life. But, excuse me. We won't be in problems without life, but we'll be in peace John 16, supports these thoughts. It says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world. So if being in fellowship with Christ is being in the light, being with Christ requires honesty with yourself. If you think you are without sin, you are not being honest. 1 John one eight says, if we claim to be without sin, we, are deceive, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Sure, we, continue, we can continue to live in the darkness. We can go about our day and ignore and pretend that big black, big black blot is not there. The, the eclipse, if you will. This big black blot that is keeping you out of fellowship with Christ. And you can pretend it's not there. 
But the thing is, it is. And that is blocking from the light. If you think it's not there, you're really just deceiving yourself. In the original Greek, John used the word plano, which means to lead astray. So when you deceive yourself in this way, you're denying the truth by leading yourself astray. You're leading yourself away from the light, away from Christ. You're actually leading yourself into a place of darkness. King Solomon, the wisest man to live up up until Christ, wrote a proverb asking, "Who who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? That was Proverbs 29. The Pharisees were living in darkness as well. They were also worried about being in sin. They created more laws and traditions in an effort to not be in sin. The personal deceptions only led them into a darker place. We can see this when we read Mark chapter 3, 1 through 6. Another time, Jesus went to the synagogue, and a man with his shriveled hand was there. Some of them, it was the Pharisees, were looking for a special re- looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their seven hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with Herodians on how they might kill Jesus. The Pharisees hardened their hearts. They were not living the life that God had wanted them to live. The end result of their personal deceptions was they were really in sin. It was a circular effect. Sin and then denial, more sin and more denial. In their effort to stay pure and clean and without sin, they were actually leading themselves into even more darkness. So we know we're all sinners, and we can't deny that. We know that our sin keeps us from being in fellowship with Christ. So what do we need to do? We need to start by confessing our sins. 1 John 9 and 10 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make, out, make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. I think it's pretty clear as to what John is telling us in these verses. We need to confess our sins. The need to forgive our sins is not to alleviate any guilt that we may have within ourselves. We need to rid ourselves of sin and confess our sins so as we are not overcome by darkness. Long before Christ walked this earth, David knew what sin would do to us. He wrote a psalm expressing the truth of what it would do and keeping it inside ourselves. He writes in Psalms 32, 1 through 6, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them and whose sin is no deceit. When I keep silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my inequity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's not easy to confess your sins. I'll be the first one to stand here and say how hard that is. I tried to go through life without the light of Christ, and I could not. It was only after I confessed my sins and surrendered my life to him that I began to heal. I will tell you that life has not been easy. There have been many challenges, trials, and tribulations that have brought me to my knees many times. And the only way I made it through it those times was being in fellowship with Christ. So before you leave here today, I want to ask you where you are standing right now. I want you to answer this honestly to yourself, where you are in fellowship with Christ. Are you in the light? Are you lying to yourself about the sin in your life? Is it tearing up inside? We must always remember that sin keeps us from fellowship with Christ. We need to confess confess our sins and repent and live the life in a way that you can stay in fellowship with Christ. I invite Luke to come up now. Thank you. You know, to close, we've been wanting to offer a time of response, you know, to respond to the word that we've heard. And as Aaron has been preaching this week, um, the story that I was reminded of was the story of Cain and Abel. And to get a little part participation here, raise your hand if you've read the story of Cain and Abel. Right? Most of us have read the story of Cain and Abel. So Cain and Abel offer the sacrifice to God, and only one of their sacrifices is accepted. And Cain, he's bummed, he's disappointed. And God asks him, you know, Cain, why are you disappointed? If you do well, um, will you not be accepted? And a lot of times we live a life of sin, and out of that life of sin, we're disappointed, we're discouraged, we don't feel like God's holding up his end of the deal, when really it's us who are not offering God our life in faith. But God warns Cain, he says, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to rule you or to dominate you. And the thing about sin is sin is not here just to trip us up or to confuse us or just to try to deceive us, but ultimately sin is here to kill us. It's here to destroy us and to pull us away from Jesus Christ. So the Bible says we're not just Christians, but that we're soldiers in a war. And, and a lot of times sin wants to deceive us for us to think that, you know, this isn't that urgent, this isn't that important. But in reality, um, confessing our sins and getting our, fins, our sins in the open and letting Christ expose our sin is really what's going to save our life and mend the relationships and the hurts and the things that we've experienced. And so what Aaron is preaching on today, I just think is so important that we walk in the light and we let Christ expose our sin. And in James chapter 5, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So we don't believe you have to go to a priest and confess your sins, but you have to confess the high priest, right, Jesus Christ. But there is power in confessing our sins to one another. And so that's part of why we've been encouraging and pushing celebrate recovery, discipleship, that we all have an opportunity um, face-to-face with another person to confess our sins and to pray for one another. So I just want to pray for us as a church, and we'll have some elders and and prayer team up at the front and um, in the 40 if you want some prayer or if there's anything you feel like you need to confess. Um, today. So Father God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. 
Lord, we thank you for the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection um, that can make us free from sin. Lord, you, you came and, and died for us, Jesus, not that we could just um, go to heaven, Lord, but that we would be slaves of righteousness instead of slaves of sin. God, so I thank you for the word that was preached this morning, God, and the power um, that's found in it, God. And I just pray that we would be a church um, known for walking in humility, um, known that, that each one of us is a sinner who is in need of repentance, God, and that it, we wouldn't be like the Pharisee who says, thank you, God, that I'm not like the tax collector, I'm not like the prostitute, or I'm not like the addict, but instead um, that we could humble ourselves, Lord, and know that it's only by your grace that we can be set free. Father, so we thank you, we love you, and just pray that you would move in our church. In Jesus' name, amen.